Welcome to the Islands Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. So today, <laughs> you guys okay? <laughs> you sure? Man, all right. So uh, today we're starting this brand new series, and we're going to be walking through vision and some things about our church and the future of our church. I, uh, if you're today, if you're here for the first time, perfect. Like you nailed it. Like this is the perfect, like you chose a Sunday, like the very best Sunday you could come. If you're watching online, you're checking us out. This is a great message to be watching. Thank you for watching this talk. During this series, I'm going to be talking about future, uh, the future of islands, uh, the dream uh, that God uh, has, I believe, for our church and what I think he wants to do through our church, uh, this next season of ministry. You know, Islands is about a 40-year-old congregation, and I've been here uh, 10 of those years, the last 10 years. Um, and I tell people all the time, I've, I've led about three or four different iterations of the congregation in that 10 years. It just changes. Churches just change. They just do. And you don't know that when you're in your 20s and 30s doing ministry. You learn it when you get in your 40s. You're like, oh, well, this is just kind of, this is just what churches do. They just change. And um, I really believe there's another season of ministry ahead of us. And I believe that some good things are ahead of us. I actually think our best days are ahead of us. And what I want to do today and through this series is talk about um, what I think God is doing in the future and what I think he's trying to make happen in our church, and specifically here, but also just in the church in general. You know, the, the world has changed a lot since COVID. And one of the fundamental things that have changed is prior to COVID, there was a, a mistrust of institutions in general. You know, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Kind of a mistrust of institutions. COVID sped that up like exponentially, right? Uh, and so that so that, you know, we mistrust anybody who claims to know what they're talking about, don't we? And so the church has now been kind of pushed into that same category. So reaching people for Christ is, I believe, more difficult in America than it ever has been in history. Because the church is, uh, you know, sometimes for its own fault and sometimes no fault of its own, has become a mistrusted institution. And maybe if you're watching online, if you're sitting in the room, you're like, yeah, I got some things I want to talk to you about, about why I mistrust the, the institution of the church. And I get that. And so I, I think that, that as we look to the future, our elders, and our staff, as we look to the future and dreamed and prayed and we said, you know, Lord, what are you, you, know, what are you doing here? We, we, we took into account that the world is different. The world's changed. And we, we, we searched the scriptures and we asked the questions about like what God wanted to do among us as a people here. But today... What I want to start by talking about is mission. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the mission of islands, the vision of islands. We'll do that in a couple weeks, uh, next week and the next week. And then uh, we're going to talk about the values or the behaviors or practices of islands. So mission, vision, values. You got it? Mission, vision, values. And today we're going to talk about the mission. Like what is the mission of uh, Islands Christian Church? Uh, now, the mission just simply means uh, why does an organization exist? And, you know, if you own a company, if you own a business like, you know, I'm looking at a guy who owns like a hardscape business, right? If you own a hardscape business or landscape business, you know your mission. You know what your mission is? Uh, to perform a service well enough to keep customers and make money at the end of the quarter, right? Am I right? Anybody owns a business? Want to say yes? Like your mission is clear. 
You, you don't, in other words, you don't have to sit around and have meetings about your mission, okay? You, you know, everybody knows, hey, if we don't make money, we're looking for a new job. Everybody's got that. Uh, whatever your company you manage, you run, you own, your mission's clear. The mission of the church is, is a little bit different because, you know, we don't sit around with a P&L and go, well, we had a good quarter, guys. We must be doing great. You know, because you can have great financial statements in a church and not be accomplishing the mission of Jesus Christ. Did y'all know that's possible? And you can have horrible financial statements in the church of Jesus Christ and be like killing it when it comes to the mission of Jesus Christ. And so the financial, like, that, that, like the mission of the church is a little trickier. And this is what I always tell people. I'm like, man, my job would be a lot easier if we just said, hey, this is, the bottom line is we better make more money this month than we made last month. Because that's how a lot of you get to live. And you know what your goal is every morning when you get out of bed. How do I get more customers? How do I do jobs faster? How do I turn more money? But that's not our mission. And as a leader of this organization, that's not my mission. That's not the mission of the church. The mission of, church, of the church is, is, is it, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that mission. If you own a company and you own a business, we love that that's your mission. Okay? Keep it up. Just listen to Jan and that talk that she gave a few seconds ago. All right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, keep it up. Go, go, go. You know what I mean? Get those, get those jobs. Turn that work. I get, there's nothing wrong with that mission. It's just that that's not the church's mission. The, the, the church's you know, mission is just simply why an organization exists. What's its purpose? Why is it even here? Why does it even exist? And the church of Jesus Christ has been given uh, the mission. And so the mission of the church is the same mission whether uh, it's a um, uh, if it's the same mission whether it's in America or if it's in Africa or if it's in uh, Indonesia. It doesn't matter where the, the local church expression is. The mission of the church is the same because any Bible believing, Christ centered church is going to have the mission delivered to it by Jesus, and Jesus has already given us the mission of His church. He's already told us what the mission of His church is. He laid it out. He gave us the charge uh, after his death, after his resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, he met with his disciples and he said, hey, I'm going to lay out the mission for you of why this even existed, of what what you're going to be doing moving forward. And he gave it to them. And then those guys lived the rest of their lives with that mission, some of them dying for that mission. They gave, some of them lived to old age with that mission and some of them died within months of of being given the mission. Think about that. Here's your mission if you choose to accept it and you're dead within a few months, right? It's crazy. And then the next generation, they handed it off to the next generation and the next generation lived with this mission. This is it. This is the mission. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus gave it to us. You see, the mission is simply the foundational why an organization exists. It's the purpose that it's trying to accomplish. Now, that's different from vision. So we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks, but that's different from vision. Uh, vision is a specific local church's dream about the future of what that church would look like when it was accomplishing the mission of Jesus in its local context. And so whereas the mission is given to us from Jesus, it's clear, it's his, he hands it to us. The vision is something that we can seek God on and decide from him and discern from him for our local context. It's a picture of the future, vision is. It's like, hey, this is what it's going to look like here at our church, at this local church, when we're accomplishing the mission that Jesus gave us. This is what we hope to look like when this church is accomplishing the mission. 
But we have to start, before we can go to vision, we have to start with mission. The why. Let's, let's, let's just be honest. Whew. Today's a great question. I mean, I just think about the Lord and his timing on this message. Why are we doing all this? Like, why did you come and if you volunteered today and, you know, hospitality, you made coffee, you served setting up flags. Like, why? I mean, everybody you saw today on stage and everybody in that tech booth, they're volunteers. They have a job. Some of them have a pretty hectic job. Uh, except for two people up there in the tech booth. They were teenagers, 13 and 15. Uh, one of them, 13-year-old, was the first time she ever ran lights was today because the person who was supposed to run lights got sick. Yeah. <laughs> 13 years old. Hey, will you do this? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. All right, we're going to show you how to do this real fast. Everybody. So... Everybody's serving, student ministry. Everybody's a volunteer. I was at student ministry this past week, middle school boys, and two guys are there. One of them's in his uniform from work, came directly from work. I said, what time do you go to work this morning? He said, 4 a.m. I said, 4 a.m.? I said, people go to work at 4 a.m.? What are you doing at 4 a.m.? What could you possibly do at 4 a.m.? You know what I mean? Like y'all counting stars? Like what in the world's going on at 4 a.m.? You got to be at work. You know what I mean? That is not preacher life. Okay? 4 a.m. is crazy. But here he is. Here he is, in his uniform, from his job, playing basketball in his work boots with, with middle school boys. I'm sure he would like to went home and kicked his boots off. You know what I'm talking about? I think I just heard him say, yeah, actually. <laughs> but why? Like, why do we get here? Why do we scramble and try to figure out tech? Why do we, why do we figure out the band? Everybody on this stage, why do they, why do they learn songs this week? Why did... Why do we set up a room and why do we, you know, why do we do this? Why do we host worship services? Uh, why do we do student ministry and all the volunteers that make that happen every week? Why do we do children's ministry? Why is Taylor Litton back there right now in a top hat and a tail, a tailcoat doing children's? Why is she even doing that? Why do we create volunteer opportunities? Why do we serve the poor? Why do we have people who go uh, to nursing homes and, and take communion and, and, and share our worship service with them every single week? We have people in our church who do that, by the way. Every single week they take communion and they go and they set up a computer for some people in a, in a nursing home and they lead them in worship with our worship service and break bread with them. That's happening here. Why do we do this? Why do we invite our neighbors to church? Why do we attend Bible study? Why do we go to small group? Why do we invite our friends to church? Why do we sing? Why do we worship? Why do we pray? Why do we serve? Why? What is the why behind all these activities? Have you ever stopped and asked that question? I do all the time. <laughs> I do all the time. I'm like, why am I living uh, as, the, as the hub of this wagon wheel with all this chaos around me? Why am I doing this? And here's the thing. If you're, if you're not asking the why, then maybe you're not fully locked in. That's just a side note. Maybe it's not costing you very much. Because I promise you, it costs some volunteers a lot. And we have to stop every now and then and ask this question, the why. And let me tell you why, let me, let me explain to you the reason why we have to stop and ask the why. Because every single one of you in this room is a stakeholder in this church on some level. And every one of you online, you're a stakeholder in this church on some level. And what I mean by stakeholder is you have a stake in this place. 
you care. In other words, if you didn't have a stake in this place, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be watching online. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have showed up today. You have a stake in this place. You care. Now, some of us have different levels of that stakeholder, right? Some of us are like, hey, it's kind of good for me. It helps me with my stuff, and I kind of want to go. And that's okay if that's where you're starting, but we don't want you to stay there. All right, we want you to move beyond that. And some of you are like, this is my church, and I serve it, and I love it, and I give to it, and I, you know, it's important to me. We're all in various places of stakeholders. And, and as stakeholders, it, this place matters to us. It's important to us. But here's the thing. A room full of stakeholders must be unified if the organization is going to accomplish its mission. In other words, if what's important uh, to this guy over here and what's important to this guy over here are so opposed to each other that they end up working against each other, do you think the mission of the church is going to happen? No. Jesus said a house, div- a house divided cannot what? Cannot stand. And so, the, so every stakeholder has to be unified in uh, the mission. And I have to remind you as the body, but I have to remind me, uh, myself, because guess what? I'm a stakeholder here. I care about this place. I've committed 10 years of my life to this body of believers. And listen to what I'm about to say. Believe this or not, I know this is, is surprising, not every year of those 10 years has been all that much fun. And there have been some really good years, and there have been some years that have not been fun. But I'm, but I'm committed to seeing it through to wherever, whatever the Lord wants to do here. But I still have to be reminded that this church is it's not mine. And if you think out there, oh, Stephen thinks it's his church. Hey, guess what? There are some days that I do. And I have to be reminded through the scriptures that no, this isn't mine. I didn't die for her. I didn't, I didn't give up my life for the church. I, I, you know, if, if, if I've done anything for islands, it has been a, a, an act of grace from God to me to give me permission to do that. So I have to be reminded of the mission of the church. And I have to decide that, that it's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about what I want. <laughs> I could go on and on about the things I want. I have to remind myself because I too can lose sight of the mission. I too can be disunified uh, with the purpose of the work that Jesus has called us to. So we're going to look at a pretty famous passage that you know and you've heard many times. You've heard me preach on probably a half dozen times or maybe a dozen times uh, in the years I've been here. And today we're just going to read through it and talk about a couple little things from it. Uh, Matthew records the last words of Jesus after his resurrection before he ascends into heaven. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28. And we're just going to look quickly at verses 18 through 20, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And this is what the text says. It says, Then Jesus came to them, that means the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, first thing. If you're, coming, if you're coming to the end of... Now, this wasn't the end of Jesus' life, but it was the end of his time with his disciples. Like, he's, a, he's about to be ascended into heaven. He's going to be leaving them uh, in, in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit would be coming on them uh, in, a, in a few weeks. But this was it for him. This was the last time he's going to be able to have breakfast with them, to sit around and talk with them, and, but before they end up in glory in heaven eventually one day. And so Jesus says, hey, I want to give you my final words. If you're about to leave the house and your daughter, who's 14 years old, 
uh, is cooking something on the stove, what's the last thing you'll probably say to her? Right. How did everybody in the room know that? Because what's the most important thing that was going on at that moment? That stove was on. And that stove needed to be turned off. Everybody, like, everybody in the room knew it. Like, nobody had to guess, I don't know what I would say to her. I mean, I love you. Have a good day. Like, nobody thought that. Everybody thought, hey, when I'm leaving, you make sure you turn that stove off. Okay? Everybody knew. So, so what you know is that when you're about to walk away from somebody and you're going to give them the final words, what you give them is the most important thing they need to hear. This is the most important thing I need to tell you. And Jesus said, hey, guys, listen, I'm about to leave, and i got to give you the most. I've told you so much stuff over three years. I've walked on water. I healed Lazarus. Y'all remember Lazarus? I mean, I've done so much. The mo- this is the most important thing. I mean, Jesus could have said, hey, I'm about to leave. Do y'all remember Lazarus? I raised him from the dead. Y'all remember me walking on water and Peter fell? Do y'all remember all that? No, the most important thing, the most important thing is here. I'm going to give you this charge. These are my last words. I'm going to give you this charge, uh, and I'm going to go to heaven. But this is what you're supposed to be doing. And he tells them in the very beginning of uh, verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me, and all authority on earth has been given to me. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm in charge, guys. I'm the leader. I'm the boss. If you're you're concerned about who's supposed to be calling the shots, guess who it is? It's me. It's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the one uh, who all authority rests in me, both both in the seen world, you know, the rocks and the trees and the ocean that you can see, uh, that's the earth, and in the unseen world, things you can't even imagine, angels and, and demons and stuff that you can't even fathom in your head. I'm the authority over all those things as well. It was given to me by the one who could give it, God. And so God made Jesus the Lord over all things. And that's why we refer to Jesus as King, King Jesus. That's why we refer to him as Lord and Master. Because of passages like this, Jesus saying, I'm in charge, I'm the leader. And then in verse 19, he has this word, therefore. So verse 18, hey, I'm in charge, I'm the leader, no no one's over me. And then verse 19, therefore. So because I'm in charge, because all authority is mine, I have something I want you to do, uh, something I'm going to command you to do. And so, so Jesus says, I'm about to give you the plan, but before I give you the plan, I need you to make sure I'm in charge. Make sure you know I'm in charge. I'm the boss. And so what does Jesus have the power to do? Uh, what does he have the power to do? Uh, I'm gonna, this is super simple. You ready? Jesus has the power to tell you what to do. Jesus has the power to tell me what to do. And this is a lot of our problems. We like Jesus as Savior. We don't like him as Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I'll, I'll, I won't say it for you. Maybe I won't speak for you. I'll say it for me. I really like Jesus as my Savior. I struggle sometimes with him as my Lord. And Jesus doesn't give us that option. He doesn't say, well, I don't really have to have the power and authority in your life. He says, no, all authority has been given to me. And so Jesus says, now I'm gonna, I want you to understand, here's the plan. Here's the plan. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, another way you could translate that is, uh, therefore, as you are going, be making disciples. Now, what's a disciple? I I don't want to assume everybody knows because that's a a word we don't really use much today. You don't walk around and use that word very often. Um, If you 
were good at a particular skill, everybody think of a skill set right now, something you might be good at. Um, let's say you were good at, um, uh, man, somebody throw something out. Oh, brick masonry. I got one. Let's say you were good at brick masonry, like you're really good at it. And people called you from all over the southeast, wanted you to come do their houses, their sidewalks, whatever. You were just good at brick masonry. If you get four or five young people who are 16, 17 years old, and you make it your job to teach them how to be brick masons, they are your, everybody want to get, anybody want to guess? Disciples. The, the word simply means, that, uh, another Aramaic word for it is titsi, which just means a student. It just means a student. And so, so well, the, the brick mason is the teacher, and the, the students are learning from the master brick mason. And so Christianity, follow me now, follow me. Christianity is not, I, I believe in Jesus. Christianity is, I'm a student of Jesus. I'm a titsi of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus is my teacher. He's teaching me. And so what the scripture says, Jesus says the plan for the church, the mission of the church is for us to be living our lives as we're going every single day, going out and helping other people become students of Jesus and followers of Jesus. And what that, what that assumes is that I am already a what? A student of Jesus. That I'm already, it, it precludes, it, it assumes that I'm already following Jesus. And so part of the thing is that we, as the body of Christ, the, the Christians, the church, we've been given um, this, uh, this mission to help other people become students of Jesus, to, make them, to, help them make, to help them become disciples. And so this is the mission of the church. It's right here in this text. Jesus gave it to us. It's super simple. But it's okay as a church like us to say, well, how can we sum this up for our context? I mean, how can we, how can we use Jesus' words to sum this up in our context? And so our elders, we met, our staff, we spent a lot of time around this, we prayed. And we, got, we have the mission. We don't have to guess about the mission. That's already here. But we thought, you know, a, an idea behind the, the, the idea behind a, a, a becoming a disciple of Jesus is this concept of connection. This concept of connection. Uh, in other words, uh, if, if I'm a follower of, Gene, of Jesus, then I'm connected to Jesus. Is that true? If I'm, a, if I'm learning from this brick mason, uh, do you think that I know this brick mason? Do you, think he, do you think we have lunch together? Do you think after we worked early in the morning, he says, hey, let's go get some lunch? Do you think I get in the truck with him and go get lunch? Of course I do. Do you think in the evenings when we knock off, we might stand around and talk a little while before we get in the car and head home? Of course we do. Uh, like I, have a real, I have a connection with my brick mason teacher. It's the idea that, that, that being a student of Jesus means that we are connected uh, to Jesus. But then we thought it, we're also connected to each other. Like there's no way to accomplish the mission of Jesus without being connected to each other. And so the elders and the staff, we took a look at the language of the Great Commission, and, and we landed on this concept of connection. And we wrote a new uh, mission statement for islands based on the Great Commission. And it simply says this, we exist to connect people to Jesus and each other. We exist to connect people to Jesus and each other. Super clear, super simple. We, ex we exist to connect people to Jesus and each other. It it's clear that Jesus has called us to connect people to him. But what we forget about is that this mission was given to us as a whole. Uh, in other words, this mission was given to us as a community. So a lot of times when you read the Bible, we all do this, um, in English, we have this unfortunate problem with our language. This, the word you, Y-O-U, is both Y-O-U in singular form and in plural form. Did you guys know that? 
And so you can read uh, in Scripture um, things that are being written to a plural community, a group, and you read it as it's being written only to who? Me individually. And that's kind of how we read Scripture because we're so individualistic as a society and as a culture. We think that, you know, we look at the Bible and we're like, oh, the Lord surely has something for me. And he does, but it's in the context of you being connected to a larger community. The, the Bible assumes that you as a Christian, if you, if you are a Christian, you are connected to a larger community of believers. The Bible just assumes that. And so that if you are not connected to a larger group of believers, the Bible doesn't really know what to do with your faith because it doesn't know how to instruct you because so much of the instruction about how to follow Jesus is in the context of being in community with other believers. Is this making any sense at all? And so the Great Commission was given to Jesus, given by Jesus to us, but it wasn't given to just um, individuals. It was given uh, to the community to the whole, all the disciples. Uh, if Jesus was Southern, he might have said, now listen, y'all. Y'all come on in here, y'all. As y'all going, what I want y'all to do, I want y'all to be going and I want y'all to be doing this, all right? I want y'all to be going out and making disciples, making students of me and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I want y'all to be doing. But when we read it, we read you. And, and this is what happens. <laughs> This is what happens. because I know, I know how people who sit in the church chairs think. They think, well, that's for pastors. Anybody want to say that? You're right. How did you know? Because I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. And I know that people who sit in a church uh, room, they feel like passages like this and other in the New Testament, uh, they must be for the super Christians. The professional Christians, the, the ones who, who, who really go all out and kind of get over the top with their faith. But let me tell you something. The idea of a really serious Christian or the idea of a super Christian or the idea of like, you know, the, the ones who really get it, that's all language that doesn't even make it into Jesus's vocabulary. Jesus only knows student or not student. That's it. You're either his student or you're not his student. That's all there is to it when it comes to you and your relationship with Jesus. And so the command for us to be going and connecting people uh, to Jesus and to each other, that command is given to every single follower of Jesus. And that's our mission. And the only way we can accomplish this mission, in my view, is that we're not only connected to Jesus, but we're also connected to each other. Now, not everybody can be connected to everyone. Like in other words, uh, let's just all be honest, we probably can handle five or six close emotional relationships, most of us. Some of you might can handle 10 to 12. Some of you can only handle two to three. But that's about it. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the spectrum. And connection isn't just like, oh, I know so-and-so and I know so-and-so. But connection is like, I have a meaningful relationship with this person. And what I think that we're going to be looking into this more in this series, what I think the Bible teaches is that we are called to be connected to other believers. And we can't be connected to everyone, but we have to be connected to someone. And right now at Islands, you know, we're feeling this pressure of people who come here, but who are not really connected to anyone. We feel this pressure. Maybe you come in the room and you're like, I come there and I don't really know anyone. I don't really connect to anyone. Well, guess what? We, we are concerned about that. We sit around and pray about that. Like, we, we don't like that. 
And the reason it's such a big deal to us is because we know that, that believers are meant to be living in the context of community and in connection with other believers. Like we know that's a, it's a necessary thing. And so what we're just trying to drive people to do at our church right now is to, to serve together. Because this is, this is my theory, it's my theory on this. That if you start serving with other Christians who are also followers of Jesus, so let's just, you know, take Mike here for a second, right? If I start serving with him, let's say he and I, like we start doing things together for, here at the church. We start, you know, working in parking together. or We start, you know, coming up here on Thursdays and cutting the grass and weeding around the place, whatever. And every time we're, we're just working together, well, I'm getting to know him every time, right? And he's getting to know me a little bit every time. And so what happens is the, the Jesus who lives inside of me and the Jesus who lives inside of him, they are the same. You follow me? They are the same. The Jesus that's, that's guiding him and uh, walking him through life is the same Jesus that's guiding me. And those, that connection becomes supernatural, and so it's in serving together and working together. Come on, guys, y'all know this. Have you ever done a project with somebody, like a long-term, hard project, and you got to the end of it, and you both couldn't stand that person, and you love that person at the same time? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so, so this, this is, this is kind of how uh, the relationships and being connected to one another works. Uh, first of all, when, we, when Mike and I are connected and working, the Jesus in me and the Jesus in him, they're growing. It's growing connection. We're realizing we have, we have a deep supernatural connection, something that doesn't make sense, that doesn't, doesn't connect us like normal stuff, like he's a white dude and I'm a white dude and, and he's got this background. Like it's beyond like our similarities. And what happens is, is when I realize that, that, that when I connect to other believers with Jesus Christ in the center of that relationship, what I realize is that I can be connected to anyone, regardless of their viewpoints, regardless of their political backgrounds, regardless of, of, what, of their background or how they grew up or how they view the world or what they think should happen in the world. I can love them, cherish them, respect them, be kind to them, and receive their love and their cherish and their kindness, even though we see the world totally different. And the reason that can happen is because the primary connecting between us two is not our similarities, not our skin tone, not our background, but Jesus between us. And I'm telling you, it makes all the difference. And this is how it happens. This is what happens. Now, is that messy? Come on, is that messy? Somebody said, gosh, are you crazy, man? That's a fairy tale. Yes, that's messy. It's so messy. It's so messy, man. It, you know, let me tell you one of the reasons why it's messy. I, I, I got to just say this real quick. It's, it's one of the reasons Christians have a hard time being in relationship with other Christians and that's, that's built on the foundation of Christ. And the reason it's so messy is because we spend more time listening to CNN and Fox News more than we do the Scriptures. And CNN and Fox News just wants to tell you why you can't, be, why you can't get along with those people and how they hate America. When we begin to be connected to one another, working together, we begin to see the Jesus in each other and we begin to get the mission of Jesus and we realize that all this temporal stuff is going to go away one day. But he's never going to go away. The word of God is never going to perish. And we begin to see the word of God, meaning Jesus is the word of God. We begin to see the word of God in another believer and they begin to see him in us and that connection changes everything. Now, the thing about connection is it's not a one-time thing. Connection is an ongoing relationship. Everybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, you don't meet someone one time and say, well, I got a relationship with them. 
If you do, you lied, because you don't. Relationship, a connection is the idea that you have an ongoing relationship with them. And so that's the same with Jesus. Like we want people to have an ongoing, real, dynamic, actual relationship with Jesus. One where they listen to Jesus, they follow Jesus, and Jesus leads them and guides them the way they lead their business, the way they lead their family, the way they interact with their spouse. Like we want Jesus to be in every single corner, including the shadows of my heart. We want him in every part of it. And we wanted that for you as well. We want you to have an actual, genuine relationship with Jesus. I recently heard Crawford Lawrence say this. Crawford is an amazing pastor and an unbelievable human being. You should Google him later. This is something he said. He said, Christianity has become a reference point rather than the context for our lives. So for many Christians, Christianity is just a reference point as opposed to the context for their lives. And what that means is have you ever told anybody uh, you were a Christian knowing deep down there's nothing about your activities or actions that suggests you are a Christian? Have you ever like said, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, yeah, or yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But you don't engage in any Christian community. You don't ever spend time in the scriptures. You don't ever pray. You don't ever worship. You don't ever engage with God. You don't ever, is this too hard? That, that, that's what Crawford is talking about. Christianity has become a reference point. And I'm going to tell you something, that's what's happened politically. Uh, political domination groups have always tried to co-opt Jesus for their purposes. I don't care if it's on the left or on the right. They always try to co-opt Jesus for their purposes. And they, and, and, listen, and they use Jesus as a reference point. They use Christianity as a reference point. Um, if you used your spouse as a reference point, how do you think that would go with your house? Like, in other words, if you just went around and told people you were married, but you didn't actually go home or spend much time with your wife, but you spent time with other women, how do you think that would go? But you kept telling people you were married because that's a reference point in your life. You see, Crawford's a real preacher. We can get him to come here. Y'all, y'all see what's up. I, my job be over if you like. We love you, Saxon, but uh, that guy... You see, we want to help people make their entire lives about following Jesus in every respect, in every aspect of their existence. And to do this, each of us must move beyond just believing in Jesus and move to being connected to him in an ongoing relationship. So here's the deal. What helps you and what helps me have an ongoing relationship with Jesus, believe it or not, is to have an ongoing relationship with other believers. You see how that's all full circle? When I have a relationship with other believers, I, that, that fosters and helps my ongoing relationship with Jesus. And as I have that ongoing relationship with Jesus, that fosters and helps my ongoing relationship with other believers. It's a cycle. It's a circle. It's how it works. And so if I neglect my relationship with Jesus, I'm probably going to be neglecting my relationship with other believers. Guess what is also true? If I'm going to neglect my relationship with other believers, I'm probably going to be neglecting my relationship with Jesus. You learn how to follow Jesus by spending time with people who are messy and you realize how messy you are because they are a mirror to your own mess. And then when you realize you're messy, you lean more into Jesus and they lean more into Jesus. And a relationship with other believers isn't always about uh, what you're getting from that. Well, I got to, Stephen said, I got to build relationships with other believers so I can, you know, grow in my relationship with Jesus. That, that's true, but sometimes it's about what you're given. It's about the time you're spending with other people and it's what you're giving to them. 
that God's going to use you to help them grow in a relationship with Jesus. I have many key relationships in my life. I shouldn't say many. I have a few key relationships in my life with other believers. I can think of two men right now that uh, when my faith is struggling, when I want to hang the towel up, when I'm done, I'm finished, when I'd rather go have a mission like, hey, did the bottom dollar get bigger this month? When, when I'm just, oh, I don't think I can make it, I call them. And they walk me off that ledge. They never shame me. They never say I'm a bad pastor. I don't love people. I don't love Jesus. They walk me off that ledge. They remind me who I am in Christ. And guess what? When they're having a crisis of faith or they're having a struggle in their faith, things aren't going good, guess who they call? They call me. And it just happens to be that the Lord always has us like this. I don't know what's going to happen if he catches us like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it won't be good. But he always has us like this. And I'm like, hey, man, listen, I love you. It's a tough season, but it's just a season. Trust the Lord. How can I pray for you? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. Those relationships are critical. So this is what we want to have happen for all people in the island community here and all over Savannah and East Savannah and even the world. We want people all over these islands here to discover who Jesus is. To get connected to him in a relationship that changes them. And we believe that when they do that, they will get connected to relationships with other people. And by being connected to Jesus and to each other, we believe that we'll be accomplishing the mission that Jesus laid out. So the reason we exist, that we receive from Jesus, is to connect people to Jesus and to each other. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and if you have anything that's going on in your life that you want us to pray for you, maybe something I said that that you've been thinking about ever since I said it. You, you haven't been able to shake it. Maybe you, maybe you walked in today with some weight on your heart. Crisis in your life. Maybe, maybe you got bad medical news this week. Maybe, you, maybe someone passed away. We don't want to ignore that. And so we have uh, Chris is up here. He would love to pray with you um, after the service. He would love to just meet with you and pray with you. And Dawn's here as well. So if, uh, she would love to meet with you and pray with you as well. They'll be right here uh, after I pray, after we're dismissed. And don't don't just treat that lightly. They're creating time and space to pray with people. And it could just be something like, hey, will you pray for my nephew? That, that's a big deal. They want to pray because the power is in, in prayer and praying together and being connected to each other. So I'm going to pray now, and if you need to, someone to pray with you or just want someone to pray with you, make your way up just after the service. They'd love to meet with you. Father, um, thank you for the mission of your church that you gave through Jesus. I, I thank you that, that Jesus is supernatural and he, he connects us in ways that are, uh, are hard to understand. I thank you that, that he loves us so much. I thank you that he loves us so much. And I pray for those people in the room today who Christianity is just a reference point. You know, they say they go to church, and yeah, they say they you know, believe in Jesus, but they don't really know how to bring you, Jesus, into their lives. They don't really know what to do. I pray for them today. I pray you'll wreck them. If that's what it takes, you'll wreck them. You'll do whatever it takes for them to, to realize when they got nothing else, all they got is you, Jesus. I, I just, I, I, the heart, my heart for these 
folks in this room and online. Our heart is for all of us that we would just be in deep connection and relationship with you, Jesus. Help us all do that. Help me do that. And then, Jesus, help us to connect to each other beyond all our differences and preferences to realize that that you, your presence among us is bigger than all of us. And it's the only thing that's going to last forever anyway. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.